Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's another lovely day here aboard the great ship, the Space Show Show. I am your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined once again by Admiral Kerry Jackson. And joining us, I know he doesn't want the promotion, but he's Commander Robert Neal. How is everybody today? <laughs> doing well, thanks. And you? All right. Uh, doing, you know, I said it was a big, bright, beautiful day. Um, it is hazy as hell out there. Uh, Come on, it's not, it's not Silent Hill like it was a couple of days ago. Yeah, true, uh, although I guess where Carrie is up on Mount Doom, uh, mm. he can just gaze down upon us. No, I'm right on that line, believe it or oh. not. Ugh. I'm right on the line where it's where it's starting to dissipate. Now my neighbors up the street, they're fine. I'm right. <laughs> on, I'm right where the pollution is starting to. You, know, you get all still the good stuff that floats to the top. Yeah, and it's been affecting me and my dogs, believe it or not. Oh. I've been. I want to take the dogs out for enrichment time outside their enclosure, but I'm like, ah, it's so, so. If only we had a holodeck, as they do in Star Trek: The Next Generation. We are continuing <laughs> our voyage through the stars, <laughs> and we will be talking about these season one episodes where no one has gone before: Lonely Among Us, Justice, The Battle, and Hide and Q. Let's uh, dig right in to where no one has gone before. Everyone accurately pegs a visiting propulsion scientist as a charlatan, but only Wesley Crusher recognizes his alien assistant as the real deal. <laughs> it, it, how did... Okay. <laughs> There's a lot going on here with this with this guy. What was his name? K Kaczynski. Uh, Kaczynski. Thank you. So Kaczynski. Everybody's, everybody's skeptical of Kaczynski. And according to Deanna, he's arrogant, overbearing, yeah. self-important, and very sure of himself and his ability. So how did he get his job? I, you know, Carrie, I don't know. He got lucky once because Carrie, of the alien friend, right? Some, he had that a old blind, family there's money. A blind spot, there's a blind there's the old spot family that you kind of don't get to see. He's a white man. And so oh, he just kind of okay. faked it till he made it and got the job. Because, see, I keep thinking that this is Starfleet and we're past that, but apparently not. No, no. Not so it's, quite. Oh, Maggie. Because the show's still written by white men. Okay. Yeah. So so he, Kaczynski is coming along aboard um, with his assistant, who we will learn later at, known as the Traveler with his King Charles fingers. Mm -hmm. And he's there to help boost the <laughs> Enterprise's propulsion system. Um, there's a moment where he shoves Riker aside, and it's one of the most dramatic, self-important shoves. It's so <laughs> hilarious. It's so hilarious. <laughs> This episode is really full of, it's full of so much sass. Uh, I was looking at my note from when I was live tweeting this episode back in September of last year. And one of my favorite takeaways is Kaczynski is definitely a Bitcoin guy. I can't explain it, but the man definitely gives off Bitcoin vibes. <laughs> so, so. Which isn't far of, from what I came up with. Cause I was like, what did Kaczynski, bit of a dick. If by bit, I mean completely. Total dick. Total, total, total. Well, <laughs> and you got to be if you're going to ride the coattails of somebody else, as we will learn learn later. Mm -hmm. um, but do you? Because I mean, you want you still want to come off as as competent, not just like I'm I'm blasting my way through all of this. It's like no, I know what I'm doing. But yeah. <laughs> so based based on all of the the um projections, 
his updates is not really going to affect anything. But then Wesley gets his grubby little hands involved. And of course, Child <laughs> Prodigy makes it so it does work. And it accidentally shoots them 2.7 million light years away. And it would take 300 years max. If, 300 years if they were traveling at max warp. There's a, there's a moment where they are traveling, where they are going past warp 10. And I remember watching this last year going, whoa, that's so fast. And I had no idea what, what warp 10 was. Um, but now I know. Whoa, that's so fast. Uh, and, and, and this, I, I just think that this episode is, is, was rewatched and the people who created Voyager went, let's do that. The, yeah, but that's let's, one of the bits of trivia is that the yeah. idea of Voyager kind of stems from this. Episode. Oh, really? As, mm -hmm. See, as I was watching this, I was thinking, yeah, if I'm in the, if I'm in the writer's room for Voyager, I'm like, let's do that, except not mm -hmm. be able to get them back. Which I think is really cool. So I cannot, I guess I cannot wait to get to Voyager. Um, but while they're out here, Kaczynski's like, oh, what a great opportunity for study. And Picard, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, it wasn't just him because it was data. Data was like, you know, we aren't going anywhere anytime soon, and there's some cool stuff out here. What do you, what do you say we uh, do our job? And Picard <laughs> and looks at data cool. like, have you lost your damn robot mind? <laughs> and and I was holding up my hand, going, can't you do both? Can't you work on <laughs> yeah. getting back and maybe run some scans on that stuff that you're seeing? One thing you at know. a time. One thing at a time. There's a lot of cool stuff no. outside the viewport, yeah. isn't there? No multitasking, I guess, exists. <laughs> But they, they have reached a point where space, time, and matter are not separate. And uh, we're in a place where everyone's deepest hopes and fears can come true. So yeah. Worf sees a pet <laughs> from his home planet. Yar sees her cat. Uh, Picard finds himself stepping off the lift into a void of space. Um, another instance, Yar also finds herself facing the gangs of her colony where she was chased by rape gangs. Let's, I'm glad that you, because <laughs> I made a, I made a note, you know, just casually, you know, the rape gangs. You and know, I'm like, the rape <laughs> gangs well, moving okay. through the colony. <laughs> but let's, let's look at it from a slightly different perspective. Yes. Rape gangs, bad. I have no qualms there, but for her, that's her baseline. I mean, mm -hmm. she's, she's risen above it she's gotten mm -hmm. out of the colony. Oh, she's, yeah, yeah. she's advancing as a career officer, but for her, it's, that's a day and again, why mm -hmm. for her entire childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Which is I just, insane. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, Picard gets to have tea with his mother. Uh, okay. No, that's where I made a note and I'm like, <laughs> okay. okay, so, so having seen other images of Picard's mother, I'm like, Who's this old lady? Why is he calling her mom? I'm like, wait, no, no. Because Picard's is mom is calling her mom. Maybe it's her mom. Well, no, because it's like the first time we've seen her in in continuity, so mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. But we learn later that she apparently died much younger. Mm -hmm. mm. So I watch that just going like, that doesn't work for me. I'm trying to get around <laughs> this, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so during this whole thing uh the the assistant the as assistant to Kaczynski with the king charles fingers uh we learn he is a time crawler. traveler and he's from the future and he we see him keep phasing in and out of existence and apparently he has the ability to channel thought into a form of energy and power starship engines to go wherever he thinks about and he has been using this ability to trade for transportation and allowed Kaczynski to take credit for his work but big whoopsie this time and they went way too far um, so 
So Ooh. what does what does it what does a traveler need with a starship since since <laughs> Star Trek Five was just on the docket? I'm just saying. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, his species up until now has not or his species uh, hadn't really contacted humans as they were not considered interesting. Um, but the, he admits that staying in this part of the universe will result in chaos. And so they need to GTFO. Um, he travels, promises to get the ship back to their galaxy, even though he is very ill and drained of all of his energy. So that's, a, I love, I love it when um, we've got, <laughs> I love the trope of we've got juice for one more trip, you know, <laughs> but, they, <laughs> so we, but they don't have all the juice. It's like, it's like, and I, and I wrote this down as, um, let's go home. Think positive thoughts. There's no place like home. There's no place like Real home. Real Tinkerbell <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah. Let's <laughs> Just throw those, Tinkerbell behavior. Let's throw, let's throw those, uh, dilithium crystal covered slippers into the warp core and go home. Yeah. So Picard, you know, asks the crew, think happy thoughts and we'll get home and they the do. power of positive thinking in action thinking. but also it, i so much of the stuff with wesley feels so forced to me because he's also like hey also the boy's a genius don't tell him but guide him the, the boy's a boy genius and so and and they also kind of tip their hat to something that's going to happen later and that is you know we're very interested in him uh, he's he's special we're interested but it was in him. subtle at this point it was subtle yeah just very yes. very slight yeah and this episode also if there's one thing if there's only one thing i do like about wesley it is his sweater game he's got some fantastic <laughs> sweaters stolen from the cosby show uh yep <laughs> now but it was interesting because when the next generation action figures came out, they just made action figures of just about everybody, including the traveler, which I thought was strange because it's like one episode, he gets an action figure that just doesn't seem right. You know? Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, but uh, Wesley gets a promotion to Ensign and gets to sit on the bridge and officially. Yeah. He sits on like a stool. The bridge has a stool. Uh, <laughs> Because you never know you're going to need to have somebody who somebody's like, I got the vapors. I just got to sit down for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't sit in the captain's um, chair. And you can't sit no. in Riker's chair. Well, no, well, those, and Troy's those not chairs moving. Take, yeah. It's such a long walk up to the bridge. I need to sit down. <laughs> I need oh. to rest my weary bones. <laughs> well, some uh, a little itty bitty bits of trivia for this episode. At the end of the episode, Picard gives Wesley a field promotion to acting ensign. And then when filming wrapped, Gene Roddenberry, in the one kind action of his entire life, gave Will Wheaton his lieutenant insignia from his days in the Army Air Force. Oh, His one act of oh. That's One act cool. of kindness. Yeah. And then also producer Robert H. Justman said that hiring 27-year-old Rob Bowman to direct this episode was one of his proudest achievements on the show. Bowman was terrified trying to make a good impression on his first assignment and overcome any doubts of his youth. Um, Robert Bowman later directs another, another episode that we're going to talk about. And for a young first-time director, this this episode, I remember a lot of it because I thought it was really well done and then there's another episode that he does where he um experiments with camera angles and just some just some real cool stuff for a first timer and then also Worf's targ his pet targ is played here by a russian wild boar named emmy lou oh <laughs> next episode lonely and among again, us <laughs> and again, such a stiff performance for michael dorn though but anyway <laughs> he's trying he's trying yeah. um 
Lonely Among Us, while distracted by two antithetical races applying for Federation membership, the Enterprise picks up a sentient entity that can alternately possess either man or machinery. We got a mysterious cloud, ladies and gentlemen. Love the return of a mysterious cloud. And this is not about the video game Among Us, as I was hoping it would be. (laughs) (laughs) But Uh, isn't it? uh, I I guess in a sense. In a sense it is, isn't it? Because you, you you get a the mystery you get data as as detective who mm-hmm. who is the bad guy in this yeah so i mean yeah is it not among us you know what you're absolutely right um i'll allow that counselor <laughs> you may proceed, proceed. Uh, well, Heading for Parliament, the sector's neutral conference planet, um, the Enterprise is transporting some peace delegates from two malevolent races, the carnivorous Antiquans and the reptilian Soleil, um, both of which want to join the Federation. But oh, but they hate each other so much, they can't even, <laughs> they can't even be bothered to occupy neighboring suites. Now, I got looking at these aliens, and my first thought was, okay, we have the Cobra people, the Snake <laughs> people. The Silurians, <laughs> yeah. And the Ricky Ticky Tabby people, the Mongoose. <laughs> I thought that was fascinating that I wondered if it was accidental or intentional. He did a mongoose and a snake thing, you know? Awesome. Deals, <laughs> if um, not, but... it's done. That's my headcanon now. <laughs> <laughs> they they fly past a mystery cloud and pick up something on the while they tra- while they are driving past this mystery mm-hmm. cloud, and it can jump between machinery. It can jump to crew people, um, and so it is trying to. Uh, you know, at first we think it's just there to cause some chaos, but ultimately we learn it's just trying to find a host so that it can um, figure it. You know, figure out how to get back home. Um, it attaches itself to Worf, it attaches itself to Beverly, and they ha- do a little blackout, and Deanna does a little, a cool hypnotize, and you know, to find out what's what's going on, but then ultimately, um, our favorite captain gets infected with whatever this entity is, and turns the ship back around to the cloud, um, and Picard and the entity brief tussle between him and the crew because the crew was like um excuse me sir you're not Mm -hmm. uh you don't seem fit for duty kirk gives a big f you and beams (laughs) back to the cloud well now this is this is interesting because you know they have the big talk about how do we get the captain out of his job so that you know because clearly there's something wrong with him and the same conversation will happen in a few more weeks but anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it does, doesn't it? Um, but I, what I love about the end of this episode is sparking a conversation about the transporter and the pattern buffer and how does that all work? And McCoy would be horrified yes, because <laughs> the card beams into the cloud. He's purely energy. And uh, they think, well, the transporter still has his molecular pattern from when he beamed out. So maybe it still has it. And they give it a go to beam him back (laughs) and miraculously it works because the pattern buffer is is a gem of a of a pandora's box i i assume (laughs) but also during all of this uh one of the antiquans has eaten one of the salans it happens roll credits like yeah. the episode ends with a well that was weird it, wasn't it it was handled so nonchalantly like all the well, time the other thing with is, these, it's not even know. that for me for me it was the you know yar rushes in like we've got a problem there's okay, a Captain. puddle of blood it's, it's cool 
we got a problem. Here's what happened. And Picard's just like, yeah, I had, a, I've had a day. This is you. Well, I'm not even that. <laughs> it Riker, just walks off. Riker says something to the effect of read the room, Tasha. <laughs> <laughs> and Picard just says, Hey, this is your problem, Riker. Take, let's see ya. I'm off I was, I'm I was, go take a nap. <laughs> I was floating in a cloud a while ago, even though I don't remember it. I'm out of here. I'm tired. Yeah. We also and... get the introduction of um, Sherlock Data, who he's yes. learning all about Sherlock Holmes, gets himself a pipe, is uncovering what the term <laughs> mystery means. <laughs> and um, it's it's fun to see this end of Data's Sherlock Holmes journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Because it, it's not something that goes away. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's also nice to see quirky Data starting to show up. Instead yes. of, you know, we don't have a Vulcan, we have this. It's mm-hmm. quirky data now. You know, and, yeah. and I'm, I was happy to see this starting yeah. to happen more often. That yeah. is that is one of my notes um, that I was texting a friend about this. And I was like, I love data because he's like, what if Spock but funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, not a whole lot of bits of trivia for this one. One item of tech introduced in this episode, which never returned, was the surgical cap and eyepiece worn by Dr. Crusher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which looked really silly <laughs> which needed to not return i mean let's be honest yeah i mean and, we got uh, this we're good i think we're good you know? <laughs> and also this is the first next gen episode where a crewman dies on board the enterprise d yes yeah poor poor what was it assistant chief engineer sing Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. Which is uh, so funny because I was looking when I was looking at my live tweet from this episode last year. I was like, "Oh, Lieutenant Singh, I, I like him. I hope nothing happens to him." Uh, oops, but blah, blah. but then but then is he is he related to Noonien Singh or is that just a coincidence? I think it's just a common Indian name, isn't it? Mm, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Could be. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, it could be like Jones. It's you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. But one thing, going back to the last episode, we also got a recurring crew member finally with a name, which was uh, Chief Engineer Argyle. Which I thought like, was such a great was, name. Where was he during all of this? <laughs> hey, I'm off duty. You, you handle all the problems. I'm, I'm Ar- not even take a five. here today. <laughs> I love that his name was Argyle. You know he's disposable if his name is Argyle. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the next episode, Justice. On an alien planet, young Wesley Crusher commits a transgression, small by our standards, but mandatorily punishable by death in theirs. Ah, it's sex. It's the sexy shore leave episode. And Roddenberry's fingerprints are all over this episode. You His know, grubby it. little hands are all over this. You one. know it because there's a free <laughs> sexual society. You know, it's the planet of the influencers. And the yes, only thing was, thank was, you. The, was the porn porn music background exactly? <laughs> and <soft> and lighting <laughs> and another <laughs> another Roddenberry fingerprint, a godlike thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Those two are so him, you know? And then you get two great tastes and put them together. It's like a exactly. Reese's Cup of Star Trek. These costumes were impossible. <laughs> let me tell Let me tell you, uh, Gene Roddenberry apparently wanted the Ito to wear even less clothing. How? But the costume designer couldn't make it any skimpier without the risk of it falling off altogether. Exactly. <laughs> These costumes were made of scrap. 
I mean, I was a little surprised to see some side boob in there because I, I was like, this is a syndicated show that ran during the day. I'm surprised that this got past anybody. We got some moose knuckle. I yes. didn't even know that on TV in the 80s. Exactly. Surprise. Welcome to TV <laughs> 7. <laughs> Another thing about how Gene Roddenberry's got his grubby little hands all over this one. This was the first script to be commissioned for the series after Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, however, due to the extensive rewrites that the story went through, it ended up being the eighth episode filmed. So I want it more sexy, he kept saying. Make yeah. it sluttier, please. <laughs> so they do a shore leave to the planet of Edo, where all of the people in Edo are super friendly. They're all fit. They're all blonde. They greet everyone with a roll. It's super warm white. So it's, it's... I was going to say that, Robert. They're not a, I didn't see anything I'll, I'll but you, white. I'll save you, Carrie. It's super white. It's, it's just like, thank it's very, you. Do they, very, very we white. know where the black people are. Can't they just come and visit or something? Exactly. They're like two two systems over. Come on, just yeah, just don't step on anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> the adults are invited to the council chamber to discuss the rules for the shore leave with the crew, and then Wesley he gets put with the kid with the sexy kids table. Um, <laughs> the sexy kids <laughs> table. Well, well put. Oh. I like that. Uh, but back on the ship, there's a faulty sensor, and Data does some research into it. But it turns out that faulty sensor turns out to be a spaceship, and this spaceship orbits this planet. And the people of Edo consider this their god. And so the god spaceship sends a probe onto the Enterprise, and uh, it attaches itself to Data for information exchange. But it also now, has no volume control. No. Yes. <laughs> I, which I thought was kind of cool, actually. But uh, uh, Rebecca, since we just recently here on the Space Show Show did the animated series, mm -hmm. did you recognize this plot as the BEM episode? You remember? Uh, listen, a lot of the animated has just left my brain. <laughs> I, okay. It's, it's when they're in the cages, leave my children alone. Yes. The same yeah, words, yeah, you know, yeah, from yeah. the animated God. series. Anyway. Just a lot of reused. It's okay. Yeah. But also the entity is, um, Picard tells the entity like, hey, we are just here for a friendly visit and then we are going to ski daddle. And the entity knows humans mm -hmm. and uh, says, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know you, about that. You've already <laughs> deposited some of your scum on this other planet here in my sector. Picard, All right. And Picard yeah. tries to justify it by explaining how colonization works. And uh, <laughs> 1987 oh, is so different from 2003, where we use we colonize colonization is kind of a dirty word. Yes. And uh, I'm sorry, I meant to say not today, colonizer. <laughs> <laughs> not now, Madeline. Don't scare me uh, like no. that, colonizer. <laughs> but back on the planet, Wesley's trying his hardest to fit in with all the sexy kids, and uh, tries to introduce them to the concept of ball and hitting ball with stick do you and have stick <laughs> do you have a bat if you could get a stick that would be helpful and uh you are good with ball <laughs> while they are playing wesley unapologetically runs into this flower bed greenhouse thing he crosses a line where he shouldn't don't be. try to tell me he didn't see it okay no, he don't was watching the ball. he was tracking the ball <laughs> Sure. <laughs> it's, it's his reaction after that has me furious. He just seems yes. very like, oh, oh. shit happens. It was there. Mm. 
surely the like... surely the maid will fix that. I... <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't just that, but he's all like, here. "But I'm fine." I'm <laughs> yeah. But okay. I just, but I just won't. I'm fine. Thanks it's for asking. Flowers. I'm fine. <laughs> Grow some more. And then... <laughs> here, we'll replicate them for you. Yeah. And uh, it turns into a whole um, battle of the respect the planet's laws versus nah. You know, um, there's a, a whole. This is where the prime directive, where a lot of captains get real loosey goosey with following the prime directive, right? Like this planet has its laws and has its rules, and we broke one, and it's punishable by death. Stepping over that line and crushing a flower is punishable by well, death. Any, so any any sort of infraction like that, well, is it's punishable even more than by that. death. Even more than that, they have random zones where the law is applied, and the and the uh, what do they call them? Mediators show up. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you could be just you could be standing somewhere, and five minutes from now, whatever you do is fine because it's not one of the enforcement zones. But if you happen to hit that that window, and the really mm -hmm. weird thing was nobody said that that zone was in the window until after Wesley is accused and is about to be punished I'm like oh well if this if because the, they told Riker after he shoves one of the guards if this zone was still being enforced you'd be you'd be punished too it's like did I miss a bell somewhere because I didn't hear a damn thing well that's how they that, they keep you guessing on this planet so that you won't commit crimes at all I might be well I think the punishment is just basically yeah. like it could happen at any time nope I'm good I will just be over here doing my thing exactly that's why I always follow the speed limit, because you never know if a cop's going to be there or not. Just I, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> For different reasons. Um, Data makes sure to let them know that, hey, if we disrespect their laws, their, their God is going to be pissed because it views humans as deceitful and untrustworthy, and it is not wrong. Exactly. Um, the Edo are very kind, and they <coughs> delay sentencing because they are visitors, but they have until sundown. And I kind of wonder if Picard was like, oh, no, let's just drag this out and see what happens. Well, yeah, maybe we should, because I don't like that kid. <laughs> I, yeah. anyway. Well, but, here's another one other thing there, though, um, was when, they were, when the mediator showed up, Wesley and he's like, yeah, I did this. They're, you know, they're like, you really admit this? And he's like, I'm confess? Starfleet. We don't lie. A Starfleet, yeah. yeah, we don't lie. It's like, that's cool, but I mean, you just confessed to a crime, so here you go. Mm -hmm. But you are also Starfleet. Sorry, you have to follow a prime directive, and you are on this planet, and you broke a law, so. Yeah. Well, but, but boo on the Edo for not saying, there's something you really ought to know about our planet, all right? You're coming down to visit. I get that. Something and you ought to know. <laughs> that was one of my big things with Rebecca just before the show was like, as a security chief, when you go over the laws and you hear, there's no crime, no one commits a crime, the next question in my mind as just geek guy is, why not? How did you, how did you manage this? How do you yeah. mitigate this? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Is there no crime because it is all crime? And Oh, there you go. Yeah, but yeah. ultimately, yeah, so, yeah. at the end of the day, everything is saved by a rousing, come on, speech. And <laughs> <laughs> it works, because why wouldn't it? Of course. 24th century litigation. It's, a, it's one of our first courtroom uh, Star Trek episodes for Next Generation, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody Kinda knows how much courtroom. everyone loves too. the courtroom episodes of Star Trek. 
Yes. That is true. Uh, if only they could be so much more naked. Well, <laughs> listen, if the great perv of the galaxy had his way. Uh, mm. I made There's that note fact. while I was watching that episode. I went, yes, clearly the great perv of the galaxy is involved in this one. There's also a moment earlier on in the episode when they get to the planet and they're talking about how they just have sex so often. Um, Riker is talking to Worf about his sex life. And I hated that conversation with my whole heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't like how enthusiastic Riker was about being on a planet like that. I mean, Come on, are we man. surprised? Come on. <laughs> and then the conversation that Worf well, has we don't about know at that point. Yeah. That is true. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know that Riker is a freak. <laughs> few in a few at that episodes. Point, we don't know that Riker's do. just like, hmm. yeah, well, in a few, yeah. But at this point, it's just like Riker and Troy. Because when they first beam down, and Riker's like, they're very fit, and DM is like, they are. You look at him like, and he looks at her like, hey. why are you looking at him? I'm, I'm <laughs> I can hear you. I can hear you. <laughs> but also, just the like, one man hugs Deanna, and she's very much like. Oh, okay. I, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the next episode, the battle. Beware Ferengi bearing gifts. Captain Picard receives the Stargazer, a ship considered lost that he once commanded. And uh, the Ferengi are back. This time they're using visual communications. Since when did they make that switch? I thought it was yeah. like a whole thing. Um the Ferengi, they want to rendezvous because the purpose of their trip is to return the Feder return to the Federation, the USS Stargazer, a ship that Picard once commanded and for which he is credited with a particularly important maneuver. Yes, Robert. So I, I need to be a geek here for just a second and <laughs> go back to literally to 1987 when this aired. So gaming geek that I am, there was a game called uh, Starfleet Battles, uh -huh. tabletop. Oh tabletop game with little paper pieces mm -hmm. and we used to play this so Picard's maneuver we figured out how to pull that off in the game we're just like Wait a minute. Oh, what? what do you have to do yeah we figured out what do you have to do and who do you have to have in your crew to make this work and there's a certain combination of starship components and crew members that made it work and we pulled it off a couple times we thought we were the most clever people at the school you know, Lee George Cade would be proud of you right now. That is like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> he would. Though. He'd be going, I doff my chapeau to you, sir. Well, I, yeah. I, I will take that, that honor in his stead. The maneuver known as the Picard maneuver. Uh, he, so what he did, um, what had happened? An alien vessel had damaged the Stargazer's shield, and as it had moved in for a kill, Picard executed a high warp speed and stopped right in front of the vessel and fired all phasers and torpedoes, destroying it. This tactic is now taught in battle tactics at the Academy. Like you do. Like you do. Um, Picard is pleased to see the Stargazer, but he he's getting some migraines. Pretty suspicious. He's getting some headaches. And apparently headaches in the future don't happen. I mean, makes sense. You don't see anybody wearing glasses. <laughs> um, um, I'm going to say Jordy. Oh, actually, he, no, Kirk. We got there at the end because at the end of his life, and we we kind of talked about that because he's uh, what he's allergic to the procedure. He's allergic to Retinax Five, which is yeah. the drops that will give you perfect eyesight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there. Um, <laughs> 
so Picard, he not only is he getting these headaches, but he gets quite caught up in the history of that day uh, on that ship and refers to it as if it were happening presently. Um, secretly hidden in his old cabin is a device which is causing his headaches. It is revealed that this device is controlled by a member of the Ferengi and it's out to avenge the death of his son in the battle for which Picard gained such recognition. Um, let's... Oh, there, there. Logs Hang revealed that they misfired on the ship. Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Here we have Maxia. Okay, so if this Ferengi's son died in that battle, didn't we find out in the third episode that was the first time they'd ever seen a Ferengi? I guess I guess seeing them is one thing. But wouldn't seeing Picard recognize yes. the ship or the ship's style? Just throwing that it out there. Well, it may have been long enough ago that it's a different style of Ferengi ship. How often do, how often have these races changed their ship style? I'm throwing that out. Well, I mean, I mean well, the Enterprise just got squatter, a little squattier and pushed out more, but it still looks like a Constitution class at heart. Yeah. Uh, well, you buy the premise, I, you buy the bid. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I was all in. I'm all in. But it's still just one of those... So you've seen a Ferengi before, or you've seen a Ferengi ship before? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, okay, I, I'm sorry. This is not yeah. the Ferengi yeah. ship you're looking for. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think the Ferengi were that well thought out, honestly. Still, I, uh, eight episodes, nine episodes in. Yeah. I so I'm gonna ask a question that I have been really afraid to ask, and so please just forgive me in advance. Are the Ferengi? supposed to be space jews is this what they're supposed to be inspired by i well, don't think so entirely not like another franchise's trade federation mm -hmm. we're straight up yeah. yeah i don't think it was quite that i would i would say this rebecca i don't think it was necessarily intentional uh-huh uh -huh. it may have been accidentally intentional i know that their whole deal is like business and trying to find the best deals i've been sitting on the question for a long time and i've been really <laughs> hesitant to ask and i'm really sorry if i offended anybody but i i just it was the 80s and i don't know i i've had this conversation with uh with uh people before and you know these are people who are like ultra fans of Mm -hmm. of star trek and they they have said to me that that is their belief is that some somebody racist along the way created uh -huh. these uh -huh. created these characters and you know i'll bet if you were to google it I, i've been i don't want to uh, i don't want google chrome to be like excuse yeah, me I'm not, what <laughs> i'm not touching it <laughs> um I'll, I'll take the bullet for both i'll take that phaser blast for both of you okay um there have been many um, comparisons with anti-Semitic stereotypes for the Ferengi. Um, and during the nineties, it was apparently heavily discussed on like electronic mailing lists. And there was, there've been critiques also, uh, that the rules of acquisition bore similarities to the 613 commandments of Judaism. And Ooh. some of their, uh, restrictions mirrored Orthodox Judaism's restrictions of women studying the Torah. I will wow, just I, leave it there. I, today I learned. Interesting. 
Thank I you never for looking have, that up, Robert. <laughs> yeah, I've never gone that deep. I've only had casual conversations at Star Trek conventions. That's all. <laughs> at the bar, well, you, you know. So uh, Picard, Picard, he, his brainwaves are going wackadoo because of this device. And so he orders the release of the Stargazer. Um, he's eventually beamed aboard the Stargazer. Uh, the Ferengi have planted that device on the bridge and they revealed to Picard how his how the this man's son was captain of the ship that Picard destroyed. While under the influence of the device, Picard orders the computers of the Stargazer to execute the same maneuver, but against the Enterprise. Um, <gasps> Riker... <laughs> uh Riker fixes it's all it's it's all fixed and the person irresponsible gets arrested <laughs> um but this is the episode I, I had mentioned earlier that um Robert Bowman I think that was his name that I said Bowman, uh yeah. directed this directed episode it, and yeah. got really experimental with camera angles mm -hmm. and it was just kind of fun to see if you're well, interested in that kind of thing uh yeah and the uh the bridge of the Ferengi ship is actually a reuse of the uh one of the movie sets the, of the Enterprise the, it's the it's reused from the the separate the separation from Encounter at Farpoint. Oh, is that the one? Okay. Yeah. It's, right. it's the um the I knew battle, it was a battle bridge. bridge somewhere yeah. along the way. Um, but uh, it, it was interesting to me that you know this Picard maneuver, this legendary Picard maneuver, was just oh, you were taught it at the at the academy, and Data's like, yeah, I got that, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if anybody's going to, <laughs> would you rather Data got it or Wesley? <laughs> You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Riker puts the Stargazer back in the tractor beam so it can't execute the Picard maneuver. Appeals to Picard to destroy the mind control device, and he does. Picard breaks free from influence, and everything's happy, happy again. And magically, my headache's gone. Wow. Um, <laughs> bits of trivia for this episode. The term the Picard maneuver is used to describe a tactic of making a micro warp jump before firing weapons. Later, as a private joke among the cast, the term was used to refer informally to the way that Patrick Stewart's uniform would constantly ride up and he would tug it back down. The Picard the, maneuver. In my mind, that's the true Picard maneuver. Yeah. <laughs> like the Riker, you know? You sit weird on a chair. <laughs> um, this episode also marks the first time that Wesley wears his rainbow-striped shirt, a costume he wears in every scene in which he appears for the rest of the season. Yep. Again, I love the man's sweater game. <laughs> uh, so... Moving on to what I think was one of the more episode, more ep interesting episodes of this mm -hmm. bundle, yeah. Hide and Q, the return of our friend Q. The Enterprise encounters Q again, and he tempts Riker by endowing him with the powers of the Q. And <laughs> I'm going to say it. I think Riker made some mistakes here by not just going with the Q. <laughs> <laughs> but there, and there was a couple of, there was a moment where Riker realized he had this power. Mm -hmm. He was feeling pretty proud of himself. Feeling he pretty was good. He was, you know, he was like, he folded his arms and was like, yeah, yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so the Enterprise is on its way to assist with a mining incident and Q shows up. And this time he's focusing his sights on Commander Riker, who sets out to prove that mankind will not do the right thing when the opportunity presents itself. He transports everyone except Picard from the bridge of the Enterprise to a Class M planet where they forgot to get rid of the green screen. Uh, <laughs> and Picard is trapped alone on the bridge and cannot speak to anyone in or out of the ship. Um, I can't bridge... even make a log entry. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the unintended away team is led by Riker and they are set in a Napoleonic setting. Um, 
Q sets up a game, says it's not going to be fair. And uh, Yar is like, hey, wait a minute. And she gets put in a penalty box, which essentially just gets put right back on the ship. And so if anybody messes up from here on out, Yar, she's she's going away. So nobody, nobody mess up. And there was a moment there because Picard and her are the only ones on the ship. And she says, basically, if any of these guys screw up, I will disappear into an existence. And she's freaking out. Mm -hmm. And Picard comes over to comfort her. And she says something along the lines of, if you weren't the captain, I'd just like, I would, <laughs> I would hit that so hard. Why I oughta. I would, oh, so badly, I would, I would just jump all over you. <laughs> And then Q shows up. <laughs> yeah. And then Q shows up and embarrasses the hell out of her. Just like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but that, I'm the like, fight. I'm like, yeah. I was going to say, the fight, though, has one of my literally, you know, 30 years, 40 years on down the road, favorite lines of wharfs ever. Sir, they look like vicious animal things. <laughs> Favorite line. I mean, I love this line. I cannot tell you how much I love this line. I'm just like, mm. and, and the animals that they are quote unquote fighting are these Gamorians. Gamorians. The uh, the pig guards from Star Wars. Okay, and they're all wearing fun French war outfits. Because but, but Q they... has a thing for uniforms. He does. He and plays he also first has a thing for Picard and appealing to anything Picard loves, which is, I assume, yeah. French revolutionary history. But, but he's not there to enjoy it. That is and, true. And then they're there. Well, it's, it's just you know, just to be a dick about it. Uh, then they have the 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 uh, the muzzle loaders, which are actually phasers. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought was great. I, I'll take one of those. Sure. Uh, so. Uh, Riker, the crew comes under attack and Riker saves them by beaming them back aboard the Enterprise. And Q has bestowed upon Riker the power of the Q and offers him the opportunity to join. Um, you know, he says humans are going to get, they're going to get so far advanced, you know, later on in the future. But until then, we want to know more about the humans. So why don't you, why don't you just come join us? Mm -hmm. And if I was Riker, take it in a heartbeat, right? Like... I'm sorry, Starfleet. I love that I've dedicated my life to Starfleet, but yeah. And there's, and there's Picard saying, you know, you can't keep this power, right? To which I would have said, really? The hell I can't. <laughs> you outrank me. I outpower you. And he's like, you promise you won't use this power, right? I would have went, no. So, I make no such promise. Riker, <laughs> he initially says no to drugs, right? And yeah. Q is like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and brings all of all of his friends back to the planet. Yep. And <laughs> and in a big f you, Worf is killed. Wes is killed. Oh no! I but, know, right in the back. <laughs> oh, darn! But Riker fixes it with the power of the Q, and uh, ooh, maybe. Maybe weed isn't so bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was bringing those bringing those guys back was his gateway puff. <laughs> yeah. He's on his way to a much more scary, scary world. So they they make their way to the mining planet where they find one dead child, and Riker can fix it, but Picard says, "No, don't do drug." And <laughs> which which I would I'm sorry if I were Riker, I would have went. 
sorry, bing, I would have saved, I would have, I would have saved her. You know, why not use this power for good? You know? he, and he does. Back on the bridge, Riker gives all of his friends gifts. He gives Wesley what he wants, which is to be 10 years older, which I, which episode is it previously where Wesley deduces what it is and Deanna and Beverly are off to go fix it. And he goes, adults. <laughs> Wheaton even says that's one of his like least favorite moments from the show. Um, but he, so Riker makes Wesley 10 years older and uh, he turns data. He offers to turn data into a human and he gives Jordy his eyesight. He gives Worf a lady Klingon and everybody else says no to drugs. It's hang on a second. I'm finding a parallel here. So he gives the <laughs> tin man a heart. Uh -huh. oh, he offers to give the tin man a heart. He gives the scare. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't already have. Don't this is that. true. <laughs> <laughs> the magic was within him all along. Anyway, sorry. But everyone says no to drugs, and Q and or Riker says, "Ugh, fine." And then Q is yanked away back by the by the Q community because once again the See, humans have shown just how great they are for saying no to drugs. Okay, I'm I'm gonna be the asshole here. All right, mm -hmm. when Riker starts saying, "I can give you guys anything you want." That's abuse of the power right there. Okay. <laughs> Captain America would not use his power that way. Tony Stark and, would. And but I wouldn't use the power that way. I would right. only use the power for good. Well, he, okay, so he was prohibited oh, from wow. using necromancy. Yeah. I'm the asshole. Okay, so I'm sorry, Kay. I'm gonna have to say so you're gonna go the Dark Phoenix route. You're like, I got it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna use it only for good. I'm not gonna give people frivolous it, things, you know. It'll start off for good, but at what point is it just like I can do it because I can and no one can stop me? Mm. Gary Mitchell. <laughs> but yeah, but again, uh, none of these people had Captain America as their Lord and Savior. So Oh, okay, fair, fair. <laughs> the card ends ends this episode with one of my favorite lines where Q is a flimflam man and then Worf standing back <laughs> goes flimflam <laughs> and, and even then Michael Dorn is stiff he's got a great line and he's stiff but I mean it, it's it's classic Worf at that point it's just like flimflam like, okay no because you you still we still are we are eight no, I'm sorry we're 10 episodes in at this point and honestly a lot of them are still getting their their heads around their characters mm -hmm. and what we come to see even in season two when they've had 22 episodes to go oh, okay this is how this would work in this situation and how i how my character would react in this situation you know we're we're like are we going to be on the air next week and <laughs> and uh what you know how are we going to play this so it, I, I think that even stiff wharf or some of the more wooden performances that some of the characters are given or are portrayed as it's like it still fits for that time in the show i well, feel i feel about Worf kind of the same way i feel about wesley once he's given more responsibility he really comes into his see, own and and me i don't think dorn figured out Worf until like the sixth season of this show <laughs> That's I deep space really, nine. <laughs> I, honestly yeah i don't think he really figured out Worf until deep space nine but anyway um, some bits of trivia about this episode. The novel Q&A establishes that Q was sent by the Continuum to give Picard the power of the Q as a test of humanity's ability to save the universe. But Q disregarded their directive and gave it to Riker. Mm, and then, Q, petty. 
Oh, huh? A dramatic bitch cue. <laughs> well, he Diva. did go. He did go melting wicked witch at the end, kind of. You know, <laughs> Diva down. Uh, <laughs> and then IMDb, just a treasure trove of trivia, had this item. The title is based upon the schoolyard game of hide and seek, where one player must find the well, other players who have well, concealed themselves within a designated area. Shut up, IMDb. <laughs> I mean, how much more obvious can you be? At least you're not begging me for money like Wikipedia. But, I mean, come on. Uh, you don't say. You don't say. Well, <laughs> I'm cool. mad at IMDb right now. Thanks a lot, Rebecca. <laughs> Pages and pages and pages of trivia for everything. And that's and one of them. This is what they got, yeah. So that's uh, that's going to wrap up our episodes for this week. Next week, we're going to talk about Haven, The Big Goodbye, Data Lore, Angel One, and um, 11001001. Um, Sorry, you're the only person I know who, who does it numerically. Everybody else, everybody else that I've ever talked to is like 111001. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's one thing to know about me. It's I'm bad with numbers. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's binary. So, you know, 11001001 makes sense. But mm -hmm. we, we have for years just called it 1100101. It's like, okay, good. Done. Because well, we're, we're in a hurry. We need to get things to do. <laughs> what does it translate to in in word form? Uh, you know, I, you're I, asking I the wrong guy. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a graduate what? of the Nebo School District. I don't know. <laughs> well, we will find out next week where we will continue to go where no man has gone before, but everyone has gone before. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. <laughs>